Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg and Steve Magnus. Brad, what's going on, my man? Not so much, Steve. Um, another day in paradise. Uh, you know, paradise being the real world that we live in. So, for better or worse, I guess, here we are again to record the Growth EQ podcast. And um, one of our favorite topics is on the docket for today. Yes. One of the topics that I love, which is the wonderful world of fitness, nutrition, diet, productivity, happiness, and what it all means, which is hacks, how we hack everything. But before we get into that, we've got an exciting, I think, new announcement. We do. So we are launching a exclusive Patreon community. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, Patreon is a program that allows you to support the Growth Equation podcast. And in return, you get some really neat stuff. So we are giving signed copies of our forthcoming books, um, a quarterly mastermind group via Zoom, exclusive podcast releases, a monthly book club, and all kinds of other neat things. You can learn more at www.patreon slash the growth equation. We'll also include this in the show notes. And given the subject matter for today's episode, I think it's really important, Steve, to talk a little bit more about why we made the decision to set up a Patreon page to allow you to directly contribute to the show. So Steve, why don't you tell our listeners what we've got in mind there? Sure. I mean, our thought process was, was pretty simple and straightforward. Is that, you know, Brad, you and I spend a lot of time on this podcast, on our newsletter, on everything around the growth equation, giving out lots of free content, which we want to continue to do. Um, but we've got to make it where it's sustainable over the long run. And we had considered sponsorships and dabbled in it, but we kept getting sponsors of things that didn't exactly fit our message or our values when it comes to what we stand for. You know, we're a very, if you've listened or read our work, you know that we're very straightforward in the sense that we support what works and we try and stay away from the hacks, gimmicks, things that, you know, are almost like marketing, uh, marketing based and not science based. So we put our heads together and said, okay, if we're not going to take the, you know, magic diets and supplements and stuff that litters the, the podcast sponsoring world, how do we make this work? And that's where we came about. Um, doing the Patreon. So if you're interested, the Patreon will link it in the show notes or it is patreon.com slash the growth equation. You can go there directly, check out what we got to offer. And I think you'll, you'll find a lot of high value for it and in turn support us so that we can keep bringing you these podcast newsletters and everything that we do. Yeah, super cheap, like five bucks, 10 bucks. If you really want to um, support us, 20 bucks a month. So nothing too, nothing too steep there. And like Steve said, a lot of good stuff. So as a segue to the show, I'm going to name my favorite sponsorship request that we turned down. And that is a 
ketogenic diet bar whose entire pitch is you need to be well-nourished and satiated and have good, strong energy throughout the day to do really good work. And they got a bar that has a whopping 140 calories that is going to be your answer to meals from when you wake up to dinner. (laughs) I did the math here. If you are a normal-sized man, you got to eat at least 10 of these bars to make it to dinner. If you're a normal-sized woman, probably between 7 and 8. And that's still like on the light side. You're probably not very physically active. Um, That is just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many companies out there, as Steve said, particularly in what we're interested in is in fitness, nutrition, performance, and happiness that offer these kind of quick fix solutions that sound really great, but when you dig a little bit deeper, they make no sense, they don't work at best, and at worst, they're actually quite harmful. So as we said in opening, um, we broadly frame these under hack culture, hack coming from the term biohacking or productivity hacking or success hacking. And by definition, a hack is a workaround or a shortcut or getting something for nothing. And there is a multi-billion dollar industry behind these hacks. So first, we're going to explore why there's a multi-million, excuse me, million, I wish, multi-billion dollar industry meaning what is so enticing and alluring about these hacks. Then we're going to talk about what we can do, what you can do to protect yourself from falling prey to these things. Again, worst case scenario is you throw money at something. Um, Excuse me, I'm all over the place today. Best case scenario is you throw money at something. Worst case scenario is you actually get pretty harmed. And then finally, we'll talk about what actually works. All right. So let's dive into it. I think maybe the best way is to give some recent examples and um, then go from there. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So, all right, here we go. In in nutrition, the ex- we'll just kind of ping pong. So again, Steve, right? Let's make sure we're on the same page here. We are talking about nutrition, fitness, peak performance, and happiness. I will lead off with nutrition. So my nutrition example, I just gave it, it is a ketogenic diet bar that is somehow going to satiate you and keep your energy level sustained throughout the day on 140 calories. And I got no bone to pick with the ketogenic crowd. You could insert you know, whatever diet you choose into that bar. They all exist. Yep. I, I think that's the key there is that it's it's almost diet neutral. It's the the fact that it's promising you these things. So I'll, I'll take a stab at fitness. I think I could go a million different ways here, but it's basically the the um, the people who promise you results and promise you that their thing is the one way, the key to everything. So you could look at this as the, you know, the infomercial type fitness where they sell you the product or sell you the seven secrets to, uh, you know, your perfect abs, or they sell you that this fitness program 
um, is the best and the only way to get things done. You know, not to hate on CrossFit, which is something I pick on all the time. Um, but they did this for a while in the sense that they promised that, you know, CrossFit was the way to perfect fitness and almost everything. I sat there and listened to a presentation on why one of the best marathoners in U.S. history should take up CrossFit and ditch some of his running. So once you get to these these things where they start over-promising and over-promising on the solution without maybe putting in all the work you need to, um, that's where we get to be a problem. All right. I got performance. Put a pound of butter and MCT oil in your coffee and your brain will be primed for creativity and genius level breakthrough. Well, no butter or coconut oil is going to make you a genius. It's not going to make you more creative. Uh, every single quote-unquote study behind these companies making these promises are N of one, and it tends to be the founder. Um, so, yeah, good luck there. <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorite stories because if you look at what the founder of that company who got that that trend started, um, what he, what, you know, is often neglected in telling that story is that he was also taking various performance enhancing like drugs and steroids at the time. Um, maybe it was that. Maybe it was the butter. I don't know. You know, your choice. Yes. Um, TBD. And we can say this, right, Steve, because it's public. We're not slandering. There's a documented record. Uh, this is Bulletproof Coffee. So you go to their webpage, you can see all the promises it makes. And then Google Dave Asprey testosterone, and you'll see that um, there's some other stuff that might not have been in his coffee that was making him feel so superhuman. And uh, I think actually the most damaging, although all these can be so damaging, hack industry is the one that's emerged around happiness. And we talked about this on a prior episode on the tragic death of CEO and founder of Zappos, Tony Shea, who got very caught up in the kind of elusive like goal of utopia or bliss or happiness. So these are things like the Think Positive movement, or if only you go on a detox from devices for a month, then you'll be happy. If only you move into the mountains, then you'll be happy. Um, I think it tends to be an if-then kind of promise to get you to happiness. And the danger here is that the obsession with pursuing happiness is often the thing that makes people very miserable and can lead to depression. Um, as a wonderful therapist once told me, the worst way to actually be happy is by trying very hard to be happy. Yeah, and I think this even goes um, goes to things that actually, quote unquote, work as well. You see them taken to the extremes. I think even something very beneficial like the mindfulness movement uh, has this to degree as it becomes like the sole thing. Oh, you just need to do this or you just need to go on this meditation retreat and that will solve your problems and you can ditch your therapist is essentially the the promise of this and you actually saw this um there's this nice uh article from the new york times on soul cycle which isn't about happiness but it's about exercise and in there the author um troy close and talks about how you know 
it almost became, or in his experience, it became where people would show up for fitness classes like this and tell, you know, the instructor, like, you're the only therapist I need. I'm ditching my, you know, therapist from a mental standpoint because this this cycling experience, this spinning experience is fulfilling this need, which again, it's not that cycling or spinning classes are necessarily bad, but once they take on this like hack um, solution for everything kind of culture, then it can go down a, a to a dark place pretty quick. Yeah. And just a quick correction there, Steve. I actually think the piece you're referencing was by Natalia Petzrella. Um, and she's a professor at the New School. Um, but there have been actually um, a whole bunch of these stories written recently, probably because so many people during the pandemic are trying things like virtual soul cycle. Um, but the one that the one that we discussed was uh, by Natalia. So yeah, that's a really good distinction. So there's two categories. There's stuff that is just straight up not going to work for anything. Butter in your coffee. Although that will fill you up if you use enough butter. Um, so I guess it works for that. And then there are things that are um, tools that can be really effective for certain things, but they get blown out of proportion and their promise becomes so much larger than what they can actually uh, fulfill. And I think mindfulness is a great example. Going back to mindfulness, mindfulness just plucked out as a tool can be very helpful for some things. But what so many of these kind of big promises around mindfulness programs, what they totally neglect is the foundation of the practice in Buddhism and Buddhist ethics. So on the actual path to sustainable well-being in Buddhism, the tradition where mindfulness originated, mindfulness is one of eight principles. But listeners, unless you're a practicing Buddhist, do you know the other seven principles, Steve? <laughs> no Probably way. not. So it's like this silver bullet obsession. And any really good, strong mindfulness teacher is going to bake in all the other principles. The issue is there are so many that just try to take this thing, basically appropriate it, sell it, promise some kind of end output of wellness, happiness, performance, bliss. And um, people get really upset when they don't achieve it. Well, and, you know, go, oh, I was going to say one more thing. And in, 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 I say people. But uh, it's us too, us being me and you, Steve, and listeners. This is a very like deep-seated pattern that all humans have to fall prey for these things. So we're not judging the weakness of a person that uses these things. And oftentimes, someone that gets into teaching these things does it from a very wholesome intention place, and then they just kind of get sucked into the deep end. Yeah, it's it's almost like it starts out with good intentions and it has good intentions a lot of times. Um, and then it just goes down, you know, too far. And it takes too far to extreme. And I, I was just going to point out there that you see the same phenomenon in the exercise world as well. So take uh, high intensity interval training, which is kind of faddish, but also very validated. I mean, high intensity interval training is something that has been done for over a hundred years in track and field, right? And with good success, right? Every great athlete, great runner, great endurance athlete does some sort of interval training. But the problem becomes when it is the only solution 
and you neglect these other things that, you know, athletes do, these other tools in our toolbox that is very similar to the whole mindfulness and neglecting the seven other principles of, uh, you know, Buddhism or rules of Buddhism that they have or that they utilize. So it's the same in these other endeavors. And it's something you see over and over again. Same with diets, you know, even the, the, key, the keto diet like has a very specific purpose where it tends to have some decent results and, and do well in this circumstance, but it Type shouldn't be diabetes. Um, what is it? Verda health, uh, is a very legitimate healthcare company that is using the ketogenic diet with great success. Clinical trials have been published to reverse type two diabetes. Exactly. But it doesn't, it doesn't, but, but that's also done under the support of a medical team and <laughs> not out in the wild. Right. But, uh, you know, that's the, the problem here is when we start applying that to, oh, um, how to run your fastest marathon, get on the keto ketogenic diet. You know? Right. I think another thing that is coming up here, and um, it's such an important insight, Steve, is to what you were saying, that so many of these promises have indications where they do work and they just get blown up and go more broad, is that you have to be able to sell or patent or make a program unique for it to be profitable. So here's the example. In fitness or health, there are multitude ways to do well and be well. You can go on a 45-minute walk every day. You can go on a five-mile run every day. You can do 10 sets of all-out kettlebell swings, 10 by 10 on the minute. You can power lift. You can do CrossFit. Um, what else? You can get up off the ground and do get-ups for 10 minutes. Like There are so many ways to be healthy. The problem is you can't sell exercise. Same thing in diet. You could basically combine so many of these different diets and eat very healthy, but you can't sell eating food. Happiness. You can exercise, you can meditate, you can surround yourself in community, you can sleep, but you can't sell all those things. Same thing with performance. So part of the reason, and this draws back to why we don't have sponsors, at least today on this podcast, is because if you are going to have a specific product that you are trying to sell and you want people to buy it, you're going to have to make big promises. And those big promises never pan out because these are things that can't be bought. How's that for a rant? <laughs> I love it. I love it uh, because it's so true. You know, it's it, And even in those lists of things, right? of exercises, for example, you went through running and walking and swinging kettlebells and all. And I've done them all. I'm, I'm guilty. And, and, but I've done them all. And I guess what I, where I come out is they all work really well. <laughs> yeah. But w what you got out and then you mentioned CrossFit. Well, out of all of those things, CrossFit is the only program that is sold, right? I mean, sure, there are running programs that are sold, but you didn't mention like, you know, this is the, uh, the uh, you know, Magnus. Steve, Steve Magnus approach that yeah. you, you got to pay for. Exactly. And, and that's that's the key here is the, the only, uh, you know, the only way that to make it profitable to a degree or make it hugely profitable is to make it copyrightable and make it seem unique and make it seem special and all of these different things. So that's why you take all these other exercises, combine it in a unique way, and then start 
selling it, right? That's why you have copyright CrossFit. And, um, and often put a big personality behind it. So I'm thinking Bikram Yoga. I'm thinking Greg Glassman with CrossFit. I'm thinking the popular Soul Cycle teacher of it. This expose was on um, because that's a part of like the sexification and bright and shiny object and marketing appeal of selling a specific thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's very much the uh, infomercial world of the 2000s brought into the the rest of the world. Only we're not aware that not always aware that it's an infomercial like you might be might have been back then watching late night TV. Yeah. So, all right, we we were going to talk about, and I'll, we'll do it real quick. I'll just do it. Why 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 is this such an enticing trap? It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that your brain is broken. It doesn't mean that your parents raised you poorly if every once in a while you get tempted by these or even fall for these things. It just means you're a human. So humans evolved to be lazy. Why? Because when we were coming into our own as a species out on the savanna, there wasn't much food around. It was extremely hot. If we weren't hunting, it made sense for us to be able to pass on our DNA to be resting. So we could conserve that precious energy because if there was a famine, we might not be eating for weeks. So we had two modes, find food and be as lazy as possible. That on the evolutionary clock was over 99% of our species existence. So this last percent, 21st century that we're operating in right now, we don't need to be lazy anymore. We have plenty. If anything, so many of our ailments are from being too lazy but this quick fix, this something for nothing, it is deep in our species DNA. And without the cleverness and ability to be lazy, we wouldn't be here because we would have died out. So this is something that was a net positive a very long time ago that is becoming a negative and is preyed upon. Steve, anything else to add? I mean, to me, it's really that simple. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on there. I mean, it 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 just gets at this deep kind of evolutionary... Um, item that you know we evolved to be lazy and we evolved also to look for high density um caloric foods if we're looking at diet right because the effort is is lower if we can get something that has a lot of bang for our buck so the same thing applies to other things if we see things that uh little effort, but lots of reward, we're like drawn to them because our body is kind of a conservation machine saying, oh, okay, we can get these these benefits without expanding this much energy and effort. Great. Let's sign up for this. All right. So that's why we fall for them. Now let's talk about how to pick them out and how to be um, skeptical, appropriately skeptical. So not to be a cynic in life, but to be appropriately skeptical. And Steve, I'm going to read you something that I tweeted when the SoulCycle article first dropped, and I'm just going to have you respond to it because I think it's something that you're going to appreciate and want to riff on a bit. So I tweeted, the best coaches in programs in anything are almost always humble, understated, and mildly suffer from imposter syndrome. They work towards independence of the practitioner, not dependence. The worst coaches and programs are almost always arrogant, loud, and suffer from egomania. They work toward dependence of the practitioner, not independence. It is not at all surprising that so many fitness fads have a lot of bad coaches or are bad programs. Why? Because all the best 
coaches and all the best programs are in small, independently owned gyms or even better, cold garages with concrete floors. <laughs> this same theme applies far outside of fitness. I love it. I mean, it's it's one of my mantras and mottos is coaching towards independence. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of, when I hear that tweet, I kind of think about this idea that I wrestle around in my, my head, which is, are you creating culture or a cult, right? And if you're creating culture, you want people to grow and develop and you want them to, you know, almost move beyond your, your services and be okay figuring things on their, out, on their own. If you want to create a cult, your idea is to keep that person in your services, in your program, to make them think that you have the only answers, that you are the one who has the magic secret sauce to get them where they want to go so that they are dependent on you. And that dependency is, is like... It satisfies the, the the coach's ego, but it also keeps them around as, quote unquote, paying customers for long. And that's why I think you see this so much is people coach towards dependence in some of these hack type deals because it is their only way to keep the revenue flowing, to keep their idea growing because they need you to sign up and be almost indebted and be a part of that program for life. Yeah, love it. And 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 I think that again that gets to like the sexification of um of all these things. Again, whether it's fitness, nutrition, happiness or performance, you're taking something and I sound like a broken record, but it's important that you cannot buy and you are trying to turn it into a product. So you have to add all these bells and whistles and often make promises that cannot be um, fulfilled. I do think, so, you know, before we, before we go any further, I do want to pause for a minute because there are some instances where things that might get put under the banner of quote unquote hacks are actually appropriate. So we mentioned a ketogenic diet for type 2 diabetes under medical supervision has good emerging evidence behind it. I'm going to just list off some others because I, I want to make sure that we're not just being like, you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater and then we'll move forward. So consider this a little interlude. Um, I think another one, and, and I wouldn't even call this a hack, but some people that are vegan or vegetarian for ethical reasons, because they don't want to inflict suffering on animals, nothing wrong with that. It's noble. It's not for everyone. But if that's for you, great. Um, supplement world, if you have a known deficiency and you've worked with a physician to address that, great. We're not going to tell you otherwise. If you're running a ton of miles and you have a history of stress fractures, maybe supplementing with some calcium makes sense. Um, fish oil, eh, I don't do it because everything I've seen says it's just like eat a can of tuna once or twice a week, but there's enough evidence where it probably can't hurt you though. We don't know if it helps in the happiness world. Oh man. I don't think, unfortunately, there are any of these things that are being sold to make you happy that actually work in the performance world. Um, a lot of these like biometric trackers, so Whoop is a really good example. If they make you more aware of your behavior and therefore you engage in healthier behaviors because you are more aware, 
then they can be very helpful. They're also not very accurate based on all kinds of reported tests. So it depends on how you're using them. That's kind of my list of things like that might have some validity. Am, am I missing anything, Steve? And then yeah, you know, one more thing, sorry. And then in fitness, we did talk about that a lot of like these programs or exercises can work, but they're certainly not the only thing and they're often not the best thing. Yeah, that's all I was going to add there is that in the exercise world, like most of the programs contain something that is, is good um, or many things that are good, but it's not the single answer that you need. And then in the supplement world, you have things like iron, which, you know, are a big issue in endurance athletes, especially female endurance athletes um, and other things like that. But again, it, it's it's a deficiency that you're looking at. I, I think the only things if we're looking at performance enhancement that routinely work would be something like caffeine. Yep. Good catch. You know? Oh, man. Guys, if you are listening out there and you have a coffee company and you want to sponsor the podcast, we will gladly take you as a sponsor. We but, Well, but I, I love coffee. <laughs> it works. It, it, it's got to be a coffee company that prom that doesn't promise it'll save your life, but just that caffeine works. Right. <laughs> Screw that. I just want good tasting coffee. Maybe that's our problem. Um, yeah, but we we digress. Um, yeah, I appreciate you adding Steve Iron in in caffeine in there as well. Um, but yeah, lot, other than that, like a lot of this stuff, it just it just doesn't work. Like nootropics is another great example of something that just doesn't work. Nootropics is God knows what these biohackers find in like their ponds in their backyard, and they put in a pill, and then they tell you that it's going to make you smarter and pay more attention and focus more. And, and sometimes people have positive results because it's a placebo effect, but ultimately you're just pissing money away. And like part of it is like this. By trying to focus better, you are inherently not focusing better. The, like the best way to focus better is stop trying so freaking hard to focus and do what's in front of you. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's worth noting here is it's we're not discounting. We shouldn't discount the placebo effect, and a lot of times it's seen as something negative. Um, but in reality, it just tells you that belief matters, right? So if, if you're taking something that is completely harmless and you believe it, then fine, go ahead. Like, I don't, I don't care. But it's, it's the stuff that is potentially dangerous or potentially replacing something else um, that, that is an issue. You know, nootropics, for example, nootropics, whatever it is, like that can be potentially dangerous or lead you down a slippery slope to things that are dangerous. You know, there's some good research that shows actually that like crazy amount of supplement use is tied to like better or, you know, more favorable, favorable views of like using things that are illegal, like steroids. Right. So there is a, to degree, a slippery slope here where we have to like, realize if you're searching for these answers or these mythical answers in all these different areas, it's going to push you to try things that, that might actually be harmful. And that gets back to what we're trying to do here. And you know, I am going to plug us again and why we don't have sponsorships because we're not selling anything but what actually works. And that also is the power of the belief effect. So if you believe, like we do, that none of this bullshit works, but what does work is 
very hard, intense efforts that are well-directed without distraction, followed by appropriate rest in a good community where people can support you, where you're regularly moving your body, you're trying to avoid processed foods, you're not getting trashed all the time, and you don't smoke, or if you do smoke, you quit. If you believe that that's what really works to be happy, healthy, and a great performer, then guess what? You're going to be happy, healthy, and a great performer. It's like put down the freaking weight of all this other crap out there. It does not work. Once you believe that, you're free. Like I've talked to some people and I've worked with some people. You know how freeing it is to stop chasing and striving for the silver bullet? And it's, it's remarkable. Once you stop chasing and striving, suddenly everything clicks and it falls into place. Um, this is even true in practices that do work. I was, I was really stuck in my own meditation practice. I don't know, like what, maybe seven months ago. And my meditation teacher, Judson Brewer, who's just a phenomenal human being, he's a psychiatrist, he's a longtime meditation teacher. You know what his homework was? He told me to stop meditating. He's like, you're trying way too hard. Just stop meditating for a month. And it like, boom, everything clicked. So I think that there is like this freedom that comes with giving up the chase of silver bullets and just being. And it's not to say that you can, you know, just sit on the couch and eat ice cream all day and give up the chase of being happy or healthy. That's not what I mean, but there's a big difference between taking consistent steps that work versus like trying really hard. And it's it's nuanced and it's hard to get to, but another way to think about it like this. Smart, wise practice in the direction of something you value tends to feel very open. Trying really hard tends to feel tight. My guess is if you listener think right now about like finding the perfect silver bullet supplement or diet or fitness program or productivity hack, my guess is when you think about that, your eyebrows are going to scrunch up because you're tight. It's like a compulsion to find this thing. Whereas if you just think about like, huh, like a lot of the shit doesn't work. Progress is hard. Being a human is hard. But if I surround myself wisely, follow evidence-based protocols, hard work, rest, etc., then I can actually be happy, healthy, and do great things. Your eyebrows are going to probably unscrunch. All right. Sorry. That's my second rant today. I'm going to roll. I love this topic. <laughs> you know, I'll bring this back to the athletic performance world, but it's very similar when we're looking at running performance, for example. You can't force your way to a breakthrough. You can't force your way through like a, a rough patch. If you try and force your way, you your body literally gets tight and you increase your fatigue. I thought if that's you, what CrossFit is for, is when you're stuck running a <laughs> 235 marathon and you want to get to 230. <laughs> don't, don't get me going down the CrossFit rant. Um, then this podcast will never end. Uh, one day we'll go, go that route. But anyways, you, you know, the thing to do if you're in the middle of the race and you feel fatigue coming and all that stuff isn't to like grit your teeth and try and force in, in your way through it. It's to kind of relax and accept and then like navigate through it. And I think that's the same way here. And then one other thing that, you know, I remembered while listening to your rant there that is, I think is worth pointing out because it's interesting is that when you look at the supplements that do work right for performance enhancement like caffeine and beta alanine and when i mean 
do work. I mean that, you know, research shows that they work to a degree. If you take them all at once, you know, you don't get any, any, or if you take them all, you don't get any extra benefit. Like so there's no cumulative effect because if there was, you'd be 100% better. Right. So if, you know, caffeine in one study gives you 2% increase and beta alanine 2% and creatine 2%, if you take them all, it's fascinating. Research still shows like you get 2%. You don't Dude, get you're describing the cabinet of a vitamin shop, bro, right now. It's like all the different things. Yeah, but it's 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 just fascinating because it's like even things that quote unquote work individually. My suggestion would be pick one that you like and you know save your money. Not only save your money, save your money and check out our Patreon page and (laughs) you know get a signed copy of our upcoming books. Be a part of a mastermind community. Um, All the things that actually work. For just between five and twenty dollars a month, cheaper than supplements. I didn't even think about this. I swear to God, folks, this was not supposed to be like a promotional show. But what I'm realizing is the reason we're not selling sponsorship and we're doing this Patreon thing instead is because we are selling what actually works. Our books aren't patented programs. They're simply hundreds of studies, history, and the practice of top performers in 250 pages. Our quarterly mastermind group, Steve and I don't sprinkle stardust onto our microphone to make you better. Shit, it's not even Steve and I. It's the people that are on a like-minded journey of this like no-nonsense, no-hack success that form the community that makes you better. So what we are selling is what actually works. And what we're turning down is all the bullshit that is more expensive that doesn't work. Man, Man, I'm just on fire today, guys. I should just shut up and I'll just let you have the mic. No, I'm like, I'm really thinking this through on the fly here. Like, that's that's ultimately what we are trying to do. Um, because that's it. Like, and I went and it like it's hard and it's a slog, which is why it's so important to have a community. You know, I think when I named what actually works, I mentioned community last. I probably should have led with it. Because it is fun to have bright and shiny objects and to make things sexy and to you know strive and all that, um, which is why the people that you do it with are so important. But you know you can get that sense of love and happiness and performance boost from other people. You can't get it from a supplement. You can't get it from a guru soul cycle teacher. You certainly can't get it from Bikram Yogam. You know he'll give you other things, but not not that. Um, it's it's really unfortunate that the industry has gotten so big on so much crap. And we are just asking everybody, shit, even if you don't give to Patreon, you still get our podcast, you can still buy our books. Like just please, 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 you know, do what you can to avoid the nonsense to do what works. And if you find yourself like wanting or reaching for more, ask yourself what is underneath that. And generally, it's probably loneliness or the culture around you telling you you need to have more, but you not actually believing that. And I know because I've been there. I think you probably have too. All right. Wisdom from Brad. I don't even know uh, how to top that. So I'm not going to try. But, you know, I, I, I think the one thing that I'd add in there is that 
a lot of this is also coming to fa- face to face with our abilities and what we're capable of and our performance levels and or whatever it is around us and being content right so there's you know at some point there's no need for me to hack or try to get one percent faster um and looking for these shortcuts and instead be content with you know my daily routine of running or exercise or you know going on runs with my friends and just being like you know that that's that's enough another plug for our patreon what steve just mentioned is a big part of my next book which you'll get a signed copy of if you join our patreon and um it's really building off of the great Carl Rogers, who was a humanistic psychologist in the mid-1900s. And the quote that he's most remembered for is this. He says, the great paradox is that when I accept myself as I am, then I can finally change. And that's, I think, exactly what Steve is saying. It's what my book argues that It's often once we're comfortable enough and content enough that we get better. And it's often our compulsion, that eyebrow scrunching tight desire to get better that gets in the very way of the thing that we want. Um, So yeah, like self-acceptance and contentment is not at odds with getting better. It is often actually the key to getting better. And saves you whatever supplement subscription, coconut oil, coffee, expensive, you know, custom fitness program, um, and on and on and on that we've discussed. Exactly. And and a lot of times, you know, you mentioned in there, a lot of times the reason we go towards these things is to fill that need. So if we take Soul Cycle, for example, they do a great job of creating the uh atmosphere and the allure of a exclusive community but you could do the same thing with actual sustainable results and without all the selling stuff yeah Um, you save yourself 35 dollars a lesson one other pro tip on soul cycle if you guys do create your own community which i highly encourage guess what it doesn't have to be 110 degrees in the room just because you sweat more doesn't mean you get a better workout. If anything, it's the exact opposite. All that sweat that makes people feel like they're really worked after a soul cycle class, it just artificially is raising their core temperature, which decreases the amount of power they can put out in the bike. Sorry, Man, I had to. You, Brad, go and exercise science here. Or you can just you know come down to Houston and see how slow you get when training outside versus... Um, in the summer versus anywhere else. But it, it, but I, I think that's, you know, that's part of the lure is that most of these things are about the feeling, right? The feeling of working hard, the feeling of community, the feeling of getting better instead of a lot of times the actual, you know, the actual thing. So an actual community, it's almost like the superficial versus this deep, right? It's almost like the, the social media, the, Vacation of a community, it feels like I have lots of friends, followers, etc. Because like I'm working out hard in this group, but is it really? You know, it's they've almost taken the the phenomenon that any athlete has um, 
noticed anybody who's been part of high school or college sports or whatever of working out hard with your friends over time and seeing them at their highs and lows creates a very strong bond right but that's a, a real bond as you're working towards something and uh and these kind of group fitness classes sometimes try to hack that right right and and they inflate the like the sense of what you're supposed to get out of it and they promise it and as a result like you're often left disappointed so it's no different than on how social media people only post the really good things so yeah you could probably crush like i'm sure i could go to the best crossfit gym and crush myself for 2 weeks and then i'd be like completely injured whatever but they don't publicize the completely injured whatever they just publicize the people crushing it for the next you know for the first 2 weeks of the program um I have a I have a um I have a family member, I'm not gonna name names, that got into CrossFit for a little and you know, he's sending me all these workouts and I'm like and I'm a much better athlete than this family member. And I'm like, I couldn't do those workouts. It's like, well I can, bro. Like how often are you going? It's like once a week. And then it turned into once every two weeks. Well, why aren't you going? Because I'm so sore. Well, that's not like that's not working out. That's making yourself really sore. Um, so yeah, Whew. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit all over, but you're, you're right. It's replicate. It's trying to replicate something that we crave and fill a void, but we can do it with much better efficacy by going about it the real way, which again, it's principles that work that you cannot buy. It is community that is deep that you cannot buy. It is sleeping, which if you stop obsessing about whether or not you're sleeping, tends to come easier. And then it is avoiding processed foods. That is it. That is what works. And it is simple, but it is not easy, which is what we are here for, to try to be there to walk the path with you as a community. And um, again, that is why now now we, we do have in our notes, Brad, be sure to plug. I'm looking at our notes for the show. Be sure to plug Patreon at the end. So I will do that. That is why um, we really encourage you to go to our Patreon site, www.patreon.com slash the growth equation and consider becoming a supporter. Um, you'll get some awesome stuff that you can read about there. And it will help us pay for the recording software, the um, distribution channels, and all the things that go into making this show. And it will allow us to keep responding to the hack sponsorship request with um, no thanks. <laughs> so I don't know, Steve. This was fun. I ranted a little. Um, I hope that I didn't offend anyone. <laughs> um, it's never my intention, but it's just a topic that gets me fired up because I see the uh, real human suffering in loss of money that is left in the wake of what is supposed to be about happiness, health, and performance. Um, and clearly, it strikes a chord. Yep. Now, I'm glad we get to have this conversation again. I hope no one is offended. We're, we kind of do these things in jest. Sometimes there's some really good examples. It's not that anything is necessarily horrible on its own. As we said, it's, it's just the kind of accumulation of things um, that can make it go down the wrong path. And what we're all about is saying, hey, let's find what actually works and try to go, you know, 
think about the long the long path instead of the short quick fix and sometimes that's a little bit more difficult sometimes you don't get that instant gratification but it's sustainable and it actually works so hopefully you guys are uh, following along on that path with us and if you have any more insight or anything else that you know we might have missed on this topic that you think is important don't hesitate to reach out and let us know Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.